Hello, this is Dwayne McCreary. I'm the adult team leader for, for Explore the Bible. And today we have Drew Dixon. Drew's the team leader that's responsible for student Explore the Bible. So, Drew, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, good to be with you. Today we're looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 35, and the title of this session is Compassion Demonstrated. Let me just walk through these passages for us real quick. First of all, verses 21 through 26, we've described that as a passage that deals with confidence gained. In those passages, Solomon explained that the person who trusts in God will find rest from fear. The second section, verses 27 through 30, we've entitled Kindness Expressed. In these verses, Solomon directed God's people to act quickly to help their neighbors and never abuse their trust or plan harm against those neighbors. We'll talk more about the issue of neighbors here in a little bit, Drew. Uh, And then he ends this section, verses 31 through 35, with the idea of blessing secured. In these verses, Solomon warned about desiring the possessions of the wealthy who secured them through violence and wickedness. He emphasizes that God blesses the righteous, offering them his grace and honor. Now, this passage, this whole lesson deals with the idea of helping other people. I know that a roadblock for some people is that they've been taken advantage of before. Mm -hmm. So what are some things we could do to help the folks in our group overcome the fear of being taken advantage of when they're helping another person? And I think it's a valid question because we all have been there where we felt like, someone was abusing whatever help we were giving. Or we knew they were lying to us or something. Sure, sure. But I think we need to be really careful against, um, like, becoming hard to the people around us such that we always think we're about to be taken advantage of. You know, we do live in a world where that happens enough, where we can develop that fear. But here in Proverbs, we're told to not withhold good from the one to whom it belongs, Right, And then the writer of Proverbs also says, don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later, I'll give tomorrow when it's right there with you. So he's saying to us, we should have a posture, uh, a regular posture <clears throat> of giving and helping people in need um, when, when it's within our power. So if you possess something you can give to bless another person, um, that act of giving and blessing according to the Bible is a, is a blessing. It is a gift. It's it's for our good. It's it's a tool God's given us to use for his glory and the good of our neighbor. And when we do that, we know we're doing God's will. And so um, I think my advice would be to not constantly worry about that. We can't know people's motives. Now, if you know someone's misusing what you're going to give them, someone has that sign on the side of the road and says, I want money for beer, um, <laughs> you know, then uh, that's different. Uh, I, I think we shouldn't knowingly go in and give people money, uh, but we can't control the people around us. And if we are giving to them in ways that we know, according to God's standard, the standard of God's word, we know those are good ways. The way you know we're, we're giving to someone's physical needs, we're providing food, we're providing shelter, we're providing uh, emotional support, we're providing our time to people. And by the way, everyone is worthy of our time on some level, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so. One of the things we see in this passage deals with that, that one of the blessings here is God's presence. It's Mm. not just God gives you stuff in return, but he gives you his presence. How how should we understand that as a blessing, his presence? So I think it's not necessarily, and maybe for some people it feels this way, but it's not necessarily this like ooey-gooey feeling, right? Again, when we're doing things we know to be right, God's right there with us. 
Um, and th- in fact, that's what the text says. It says, don't fear sudden danger or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from a snare. And so the idea here, I think, is that God is, as we're seeking to live for him, God's with us. He's there. Um, Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. Um, and so those that that's the reality, is that he is there with us. And so uh, when we're facing difficulty, when we're facing any kind of hardship, we should know um, God's not abandoned us. He's not outside. And, and, and in fact, the New Testament gives us a little bit more insight into that too. Peter talks about the trials that we face as this like purifying, uh, you know, it's like gold being purified yeah. in the furnace. And as it's, fire. Yeah, as it's heated, the impurities rise to the surface and those can be taken out. And so, so through the midst of those things, God is, is making us stronger. But whether we like sense it in a ooey gooey feeling or goosebumps or whatever, um, you may feel that way sometimes, you may not, but God is there with you. And the knowledge that he's there, I think, gives us a different perspective on those difficulties or trials or whatever. Or maybe not even a difficulty or trial. Maybe it's a, a, a time of success and, you know, quote-unquote blessing. But knowing that God's with us gives us the right perspective to embrace those things in a way that will honor him and, and hopefully ways that will allow us to do good to the people around us. In, the, in this particular passage you're thinking about helping people sometimes we may feel like we're helping them and we're doing it all by ourselves. Mm. when we think about God's presence with us we're not helping by ourselves. we're helping right. with God there with us helping yep. us make that happen so that's right that, that gives me a different perspective too when I'm thinking about I'm helping someone I'm not doing it by myself yeah that's right mm-hmm. God gives grace to the humble that's one of the, the statements here in this passage what's the difference between real and false humility and do you think we can tell the difference Drew I think false humility is, um, you know, brushing off. A lot of times it's just brushing off praise or, you know, not allowing people to say, maybe say nice things about us or something like that. Or, uh, or, or thinking, a lot of times I think false humility is thinking little of ourselves. That's actually not humility. That's self-hatred. The Bible never promotes self-hatred, right? Self-deprecation. Yeah. Um, we need to remember we're made in God's image. So it's not godly to be like, oh, I'm, I'm a terrible person. I'm... You know, Paul called him the chief, called himself the chief of sinners, not because he hated himself, but because he saw himself, he saw his need for Jesus, right? Yeah. And he well, understood God's love in light of that, too. Yeah, right, yeah. So um, so uh, let's be really careful not to fall into this trap of, of thinking humility is, you know, thinking um, little of ourselves. Think humility is seeing our need for Jesus, seeing how great he is and how much we need him in, in light of that. Do you think we can tell a difference when someone is being false in their humility or they're really they're really humble? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think humility will always show itself forth in action. You know, if we really are humble people, we will do humble things. We won't just say humble words, like quote-unquote humble words. We won't just say things that depreciate ourselves or, or something, but we will actually um, roll up our sleeves and wash people's feet right? We'll actually get to work doing those things which are going to honor God and love our neighbor. Um, and I think, too, we need to be careful there, though, in in knowing when some, like, like yeah. judging when yeah, someone's well, being yeah. humble we, or not. Should we even try to figure out? Yeah. Um, I, I, I would I would say we certainly need to be careful there um, because, you know, again, we're called to love people yeah. and live with them in an understanding way. I guess for us, as teachers, 
we need to evaluate our own humility, mm. whether we're being real or fake in what we say. We may yeah. say, oh, I, I, I don't want credit, but we do like people telling us we did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, it comes back to that issue of what motivates us, why we're doing it in the first place. Uh, it's okay to get accolades for doing something well, but yeah. if that's the motive for doing it, then we need to evaluate whether it's real humility or false humility mm. on us saying, I don't really need the accolades when we probably really do. Yeah, that's good. How do we help our groups understand the principle of who is a neighbor? Because we have this issue here throughout this particular passage about a neighbor. How do we help them understand that principle? Yeah, and I think in the leader guide it alludes to, or the, uh, da- sorry, the personal study guide. Personal, yeah. <laughs> sorry. That's what both of them do. It. Personal yeah. study guide. Personal and guide the and the leader guide, you know. But daily discipleship guide. Turns our attention to the, this great story that Jesus told, the story of the Good Samaritan. And of course, that story was predicated on this question, who, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, well, I'll tell you who your neighbor is by telling you the story. And the whole point of the story is that the person we wouldn't think would be a good neighbor to the person who fell in hard times is actually the one who is the hero of the story, the Samaritan. You know, this person who most Jews in Jesus' day would have seen as like pretty despicable, like their enemy, like someone they didn't hang out with. And that's the person who is a neighbor. And so the point of the story is, I think, twofold. It's it's be a neighbor. There's a challenge there to be a good neighbor to people by giving of yourself, your time, your money, your energy, whatever gifts God has given you to serve and love people and point them to Jesus. And then the second lesson from the story is, oh, by the way, the person you probably think isn't your neighbor, that's actually the type of people God calls you to serve. And we see Jesus doing this all the time, like hanging out with, spending time with, uh, investing in people that the rest of the culture around him kind of had dismissed or ignored or even hated, like tax collectors. And they hated the tax collectors. Jesus went to their houses and ate meals with them and figured out ways to love and serve them. And so um, everyone is our neighbor because they're all made in God's image. This doesn't mean that everyone needs, that we give our time equally to every person. We know none of us can do that. But um, let's ask God to open our eyes. I think that's a good start. God, open my eyes. Let's pray. God, open my eyes to the needs of the neighbors around me. Help me to see the many ways, many, because let's, no matter how rich or poor you are, God has blessed you in many ways to be a blessing and to serve and to meet the needs of the people around you. Uh, Sometimes I wonder if Jesus felt more comfortable around the tax collectors because they weren't pretentious like the religious leaders were in that day. So that gets back to that question or that issue about false and real humility. I think he enjoyed being with those kind of folks who were just real people. Mm. And that's, a, that's an important thing for us to think about in our culture today, how we engage people who aren't in, interested in the church at all or have, have a negative view of, 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 the, of Christ or the church or Christians. Yeah. One thing we can do is we can show them what an authentic believer looks like. And mm-hmm. one way we do that is by doing what is being asked of us here in Proverbs chapter 3. Yeah. One of the things in the book, excuse me, you were going to say. Oh, no, I was just thinking along the same lines, like meals are a great way to do that. I mean, Jesus' example of eating with tax collectors, because like your neighbors may not want, the first time you meet them, they may not want to hear about your church involvement, or they may not want to hear about um, your Sunday, the fact that you're a Sunday school teacher, but they probably would come over for lasagna and there's, there's an opportunity to embody the kind of ministry Jesus did and build that relationship where then we can go, hey, I want to tell you about what really matters to me, which is, which is ultimately Jesus. Which is right? building a relationship yeah. that's based on mutual respect for each mm. other. Yep. In the teaching plans, one of the things that, that we're told to do near the end of the teaching plans is to read 
Romans 12, 9 through 21, and compare that to this particular section in Proverbs. Because what we're going to find out is that in those passages of, in Romans, that many of the same themes are included here in Proverbs 3. And it will help us help our group understand that Solomon, first of all, is talking about things that have universal application. And it's not just Proverbs. It's not just about keeping the law. But it also tells us how to live a Christ-like life. Mm. Drew, is there anything else you would want to add about this particular uh, passage, section of Proverbs? Oh, no. I, I, I love that you've connected it to Romans 12 because um, you know, that's such a powerful passage about expressing what, what Proverbs is Proverbs 3 is talking about, about, you know, what does it really look like to not plan harm against your neighbor and to, um, to not withhold good from the one whom it belongs? Well, Paul says it means loving without hypocrisy. It means um, outdoing one another and showing honor, um, refusing to pay, repay each other evil for evil. So anyway, I don't have a lot to add other than just to say I love that passage. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, thank you for being with us today. and Thank you for helping us walk through uh, Proverbs chapter 3. You know, from time to time during this podcast, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family. The Leader Pack, the Adult Commentary, Quick Source, those are just name a few. You can find out more about those resources by going to the Explore the Bible website. You go to goexplorethebible.com and you can find out about those resources. Plus, you can find out about the resources that we have available for students that, that uh, Drew works on. There are other things there for children as well that will help you get a full understanding of what's available with Explore the Bible. Thank you for listening to it this week, and we hope you will join us again next week as we continue our study of Proverbs. <laughs>